0: SECTION 17 OF THE WIT AND HUMOR OF AMERICA, VOLUME 4. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. RECORDING BY JAMES O'CONNOR. THE Coupon BONDS BY J.T. TROWBRIDGE Mr. and Mrs. Ducklow have secretly purchased bonds with money that should have been given to their adopted son reuben who has sacrificed his health in serving his country as a soldier and going to visit reuben on the morning of his return home they hide the bonds under the carpet of the sitting-room and leave the house in charge of taddy another adopted son mr ducklow had scarcely turned the corner of the street when looking anxiously in the direction of his homestead he saw a column of smoke it was directly over the spot where he knew his house to be situated he guessed at a glance what had happened the frightful catastrophe he foreboded had befallen taddy had set the house afire them bonds them bonds he exclaimed distractedly he did not think so much of the house house and furniture were insured if they were burned the inconvenience would be great indeed and at any other time the thought of such an event would have been a sufficient cause for trepidation but now his chief his only anxiety was the bonds they were not insured they would be a dead loss and what added sharpness to his pangs they would be a loss which he must keep a secret as he had kept their existence a secret—a loss which he could not confess, and of which he could not complain. Had he not just given his neighbors to understand that he had no such property, and his wife, was she not at that very moment, if not serving up a lie upon the subject, at least paring the truth very thin indeed? man would think, observed Faring, the Ducklow had some of them bonds on his hands, and got scared. He took such a sudden start. He has, hasn't he, Missus Ducklow? Has what? Said Missus Ducklow, pretending ignorance. Some of them cowpon bonds. I rather guess he's got some. You mean government bonds? Ducklow got some. Tain't at all likely he'd speculate in them without saying something to me about it. No, he couldn't have any without my knowing it i'm sure how demure how innocent she looked flying her knitting needle and stopping to take up a stitch how little at that moment she knew of ducklow's trouble and its terrible cause ducklow's first impulse was to drive on and endeavor at all hazards to snatch the bonds from the flames his next was to return and alarm his neighbors and obtained their assistance but a minute's delay might be fatal so he drove on screaming fire fire at the top of his voice but the old mare was a slow-footed animal and ducklow had no whip he reached forward and struck her with the reins get up get up fire fire screamed ducklow oh them bonds them bonds why didn't i give the money to reuben fire 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 By dint of screaming and slapping, he urged her from a trot into a gallop, which was scarcely an improvement as to speed, and certainly not as to grace. It was like the gallop of an old cow. "'Why don't she go long?' he cried despairingly. "'Slap! Slap!' He knocked his own hat off with the loose end of the reins. It fell under the wheels. He cast one look behind. TO SATISFY HIMSELF THAT IT HAD BEEN VERY THOROUGHLY RUN OVER AND CRUSHED INTO THE DIRT AND LEFT TO ITS FATE. SLAP, SLAP, FIRE, FIRE, CANTER, CANTER, CANTER. NEIGHBORS LOOKED OUT OF THEIR WINDOWS, AND RECOGNIZING DUCKLOW'S WAGON AND OLD mare IN SUCH AN ASTONISHING PLIGHT, AND DUCKLOW HIMSELF WITHOUT HIS HAT, RISING FROM HIS SEAT AND REACHING FORWARD IN WILD ATTITUDES brandishing the reins, and at the same time rending the azure with yells, thought he must be insane. He drove to the top of the hill, and looking beyond in expectation of seeing his house wrapped in flames, discovered that the smoke proceeded from a brush heap which his neighbor Atkins was burning in a field nearby. The revulsion of feeling that ensued was almost too much for the excitable Ducklow his strength went out of him for a little while there seemed to be nothing left of him but tremor and cold sweat difficult as it had been to get the old mare in motion it was now even more difficult to stop her why what has got into ducklow's old mare she's running away with him who ever heard of such a thing and atkins watching the ludicrous spectacle from his field became almost as weak from laughter as ducklow was from the effects of fear at length ducklow succeeded in checking the old mare's speed and in turning her about it was necessary to drive back for his hat by this time he could hear a chorus of shouts fire 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 over the hill he had aroused the neighbors as he passed and now they were flocking to extinguish the flames a false alarm a false alarm said ducklow "'looking marvellously sheepish as he met them. "'Nothing but Atkins' brush-heap. "'Seems to me you ought to have found that out for you raised all creation with your yells,' "'said one hyperbolical fellow. "'You look like the flying Dutchman. "'This your hat? "'I thought twas a dead cat in the road. "'No fire, no fire,' turning back to his comrades. "'Only one of Ducklow's jokes.' Nevertheless, two or three boys there were, who would not be convinced, but continued to leap up, swing their caps, and scream fire against all remonstrance. Ducklow did not wait to enter his explanations, but, turning the old mare about again, drove home amid the laughter of the bystanders and the screams of the misguided youngsters. As he approached the house, he met Taddy rushing wildly up the street, thaddeus thaddeus where are you going thaddeus going to the fire cried taddy there isn't any fire boy yes there is didn't you hear em? they've been yelling like fury it's nothing but atkin's brush that all and taddy appeared very much disappointed i thought there was going to be some fun i wonder who was such a fool as to yell fire just for a darned old brushy ducklow did not inform him i've got to drive over to town and get reuben's trunk you stand by the mare while i step in and brush my hat instead of applying himself at once to the restoration of his beaver he hastened to the sitting-room to see that the bonds were safe heavens and arse said ducklow the chair which had been carefully planted in the spot where they were concealed had been removed three or four tacks had been taken out and the carpet pushed from the wall there was straw scattered about. Evidently, Taddy had been interrupted in the midst of his ransacking by the alarm of fire. Indeed, he was even now creeping into the house to see what notice Ducklow would take of these evidences of his mischief. In great trepidation, the farmer thrust his hand here and there, and groped until he found the envelope precisely where it had been placed the night before, with the tape tied around it, which his wife had put on to prevent its contents from slipping out and losing themselves. Great was the joy of Ducklow; great also was the wrath of him when he turned and discovered Taddy. Didn't I tell you to stand by the old mare? She won't stir," said Taddy, shrinking away again. "Come here," and Ducklow grasped him by the collar. "What have you been doing? Look at that! Twant me beginning to whimper and ram his fists into his eye. Don't tell me twant you." ducklow shook him till his teeth chattered what was you pulling up the carpet for lost a marble snivelled taddy lost a marble you didn't lose it under the carpet did ye look at all that straw pulled out shaking him again didn't know but it might have got under the carpet marbles roll so explained taddy as soon as he could get his breath well sir ducklow administered a resounding box on his ear don't you do such a thing again if you lose a million marbles ain't got a million taddy wept, rubbing his cheek ain't got but four won't ye buy me some to-day go to that mare and don't you leave her again till i come or i'll marble ye in a way ye won't like understanding by this somewhat equivocal form of expression that flagellation was threatened taddy obeyed still feeling his smarting and burning ear ducklow was in trouble what should he do with the bonds The floor was no place for them after what had happened and he remembered too well the experience of yesterday to think for a moment of carrying them about his person with unreasonable impatience his mind reverted to mrs ducklow why ain't she home these women are forever again i wish reuben's trunk was in jericho thinking of the trunk reminded him of one in the garret filled with old papers of all sorts newspapers letters bills of sale children's writing books accumulations of the past quarter of a century neither fire nor burglar nor ransacking youngster had ever molested those ancient records during all those five-and-twenty years a bright thought struck him i'll slip the bonds down into that worthless heap of rubbish where no one'll ever think o looking for em and risk em Having assured himself that Taddy was standing by the wagon, he paid a hasty visit to the trunk in the garret and concealed the envelope, still bound in its band of tape, among the papers. He then drove away, giving Taddy a final charge to beware of setting anything afire. He had driven about half a mile when he met a peddler. There was nothing unusual or alarming in such a circumstance, surely. "'But as Ducklow kept on, it troubled him. "'He'll stop to the house now, most likely, and want to trade. "'Finding nobody but Taddy, there's no knowin' what he'll be tempted to do. "'But I ain't a-goin' to worry. "'I'll defy anybody to find them bonds. "'Besides, she may be home by this time. "'I guess she'll hear of the fire alarm and hurry home. "'It'll be just like her. "'She'll be there and trade with the peddler,' thought Ducklow uneasily then a frightful fancy possessed him she has threatened two or three times to sell that old trunk full of papers he'll offer a big price for em and ten to one she'll let him have em why didn't i think on't what a stupid blunderbluss i be as ducklow thought of it he felt almost certain that mrs ducklow had returned home and that she was bargaining with the peddler at that moment he fancied her smilingly receiving bright tinware for the old papers and he could see the tape tied envelope going into the bag with the rest the result was that he turned about and whipped his old mare home again in terrific haste to catch the departing peddler arriving he found the house as he had left it and taddy occupied in making a kite frame. did that peddler stop here i ain't seen no peddler and ain't your ma ducklo been home nother no. And with a guilty look, Taddy put the kite frame behind him. Ducklow considered. The peddler had turned up a cross street. He would probably turn down again and stop at the house after all. Mrs. Ducklow might, by that time, be at home. Then the sale of old papers would be very likely to take place. Ducklow thought of leaving word that he did not wish any old papers in the house to be sold, but feared lest the request might excite Taddy's suspicions. I don't see no way but for me to take the bonds with me, thought he, with an inward groan. He accordingly went to the garret, took the envelope out of the trunk, and placed it in the breast pocket of his overcoat, to which he pinned it, to prevent it by any chance from getting out. He used six large strong pins for the purpose, and was afterwards sorry he did not use seven. "'There's something losin out of your pocket,' bawled Taddy as he was once more mounting the wagon. Quick as lightning, Ducklow clapped his hand to his breast. In doing so, he loosed his hold of the wagon box and fell, breaking his shin badly on the wheel. "'Your side pockets, it's one of your mittens,' said Taddy. "'You rascal, how you scared me!' Seating himself in the wagon, Ducklow gently pulled up his trousers' leg to look at the bruised part got anything in your bootleg to-day pa ducklow asked taddy innocently yes a barked shin all on your account too go and put that straw back and fix the carpet and don't ye let me hear ye speak of my bootleg again or i'll bootleg ye so saying ducklow departed instead of repairing the mischief he had done in the sitting-room taddy devoted his time and talents to the more interesting occupation of constructing his kite frame he worked at that until mr grantly the minister driving by stopped to inquire how the folks were aid to home may i ride cried taddy all in a breath mr grantly was an indulgent old gentleman fond of children so he said jump in and in a minute taddy had scrambled to a seat by his side and now occurred a circumstance which ducklow had foreseen the alarm or fire had reached Reubens, and although the report of its falseness followed immediately, Mrs. Ducklow's inflammable fancy was so kindled by it that she could find no comfort in prolonging her visit. Mr. Ducklow'll be going for the trunk, and I must go home and see to things. Caddy's such a fellow for mischief; I can foot it. I shan't mind it, and off she started, walking herself out of breath in anxiety. She reached the brow of the hill just in time to see a chaise drive away from her own door. Who can that be? I wonder if Taddy's there to guard the house, if anything should happen to them Bonds. Out of breath as she was, she quickened her pace and trudged on, flushed, perspiring, panting, until she reached the house. is. she called. No Taddy answered. She went in. The house was deserted, and lo, the carpet torn up, and the bonds abstracted mr ducklow never would have made such work removing the bonds then somebody else must have taken them she reasoned a man in the chaise or rather made an effort to exclaim succeeding only in bringing forth a hoarse gasping sound fear dried up articulation vox fossibus hastet! and taddy he had disappeared been murdered perhaps were gagged and carried away by the man in the chase. Mrs. Ducklow flew hither and thither, to use a favorite phrase of her own, like a hen with her head cut off, then rushed out of the house and up the street, screaming after the chaise, Murder! Murder! Stop thief! Stop thief! She waved her hands aloft in the air frantically. If she had trudged before, now she trotted, now she cantered but if the cantering of the old mare was fitly likened to that of a cow, to what thing, to what manner of motion under the sun, shall we liken the cantering of Mrs. Ducklow? It was original. It was unique. It was prodigious. Now, with her frantically waving hands and all her undulating and flapping skirts, she seemed a species of huge, unwieldy bird attempting to fly. Then she sank down into a heavy, dragging walk breath and strength all gone no voice left even to scream murder then the awful realization of the loss of the bonds once more rushing over her she started up again half running half flying what progress she made then atkins dog saw her and naturally mistaking her for a prodigy came out at her bristling up and bounding and barking terrifically come here cried atkins following the dog what's the matter what's to pay mrs ducklow attempting to speak the good woman could only pant and wheeze rob she at last managed to whisper amid the yelpings of the cur that refused to be silenced robbed how who the chaise catch it her gestures expressed more than her words and Atkins' horse and wagon with which he had been drawing out brush being in the yard nearby he ran to them leaped to the seat drove into the road took mrs ducklow aboard and set out in vigorous pursuit of the slow two-wheeled vehicle stop you sir stop you sir shrieked mrs ducklow having recovered her breath by the time they came up with the chaise it stopped and mr Grantly, the minister put out his good-natured surprised face you've robbed my house you've took Mrs. Ducklow was going on in wild, accusatory accents, when she recognized the benign countenance. "'What do you say? I have robbed you?' he exclaimed, very much astonished. "'No, no, not you. You wouldn't do such a thing,' she stammered forth, while Atkins, who had laughed himself weak at Mr. Ducklow's plight earlier in the morning, now laughed himself into a side-ache at Mrs. Ducklow's ludicrous mistake. "'But did you—' Did you stop at my house? Have you seen our Taddeus? Here I be, Ma Ducklow, piped a small voice, and Taddy, who had till then remained hidden, fearing punishment, peeped out of the chaise from behind the broad back of the minister. Taddy, Taddy, how came the carpet. I pulled it up, hunting for a marble, said Taddy, as she paused, overmastered by her emotions. And the, the thing tied up in brown paper? Pa Ducklow took it ye sure, yes, I seen him, oh dear, said Mrs. Ducklow. I never was so beat, Mr. Grantly. I hope excuse me, I didn't know what I was about, Taddy, you naughty boy, what did ye leave the house for? Be ye quite sure, Pa Ducklow Taddy replied that he was quite sure as he climbed from the chaise into Atkins' wagon. The minister smilingly remarked that he hoped she would find no robbery had been committed and went his way atkins driving back and setting her and taddy down at the ducklow gate answered her embarrassed much obliged to you with a sincere not at all considering the fun he had had a sufficient compensation for his trouble and thus ended the morning adventures with the exception of an unimportant episode in which taddy mrs ducklow and mrs ducklow's rattan were the principal actors End of the Coupon Bonds Recording by James O'Connor, Randolph, Massachusetts, February 2011